Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. I'm Damien Fantato, the Deputy Editor of Financial Advisor. And here with me today is Jacqueline Lockie, Head of Financial Planning at the Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment. Hello, Jackie. The things that you've been busying yourself with recently has been the new curriculum for the Certified Financial Planner status. Tell me a bit about why you've rolled that out. Since the Institute of Financial Planning merged with the CISI back about three and a half years ago now, we undertook a review of the Certified Financial Planner assessment and we wanted to make it more robust and and achievable for people. So we looked at the old syllabus, uh, we've reviewed and refreshed it, and we've split the syllabus out into two parts now. So there is a a step-by-step basis to achieve the Certified Financial Planner Licence. So you've taken it to level seven now. It was level six. You've taken it to level seven. What do you think that the benefits of that is? The benefits are essentially the recognition that we believe that the assessment deserves. And actually, it's quite marginal, the difference between level six and level seven in practical terms. But we felt that actually the assessment deserves the amount of the work that's involved. It deserved to be level seven. What do you think of the relative sort of strengths of certified as opposed to something like chartered because there are lots of advisors out there who hold both chartered and certified yes. there are some that pick one over the other what, what right. do you think the strengths are so actually i have both sets of survey exams i have a number of exams towards chartered status myself as as well as being uh, an ex-practitioner being a certified financial planner too in my previous life mm-hmm. so i can appreciate you know both both organizations have a role to play in in building the profession and for me the exams that lead towards chartered are very technical exams are very high level level six good technical exams for depth of technical knowledge the certified financial planner assessment is all about application of that knowledge so giving real advice in a client situation practicing those extra skills that you need and also practicing giving advice in the round because it's quite often that clients would come certainly used to come to me for a specific need say they wanted to top up their pension or look at their retirement but there are lots of other areas that would impact on their decisions for retirement. Mm -hmm. And so the certified financial planner is scooping together all of those areas of technical knowledge and implying them in a client situation in the round. Do you think that this new curriculum is going to help grow the certified status? Yes, definitely. The aim of the new curriculum is to be able to set it out in slightly more bite-sized chunks. It was quite an, an onerous assessment uh, as it stands at the moment. And so we've developed it out and split it into two distinct parts. So it gives people the opportunity for more training and support that's been put into place as well as a different levels of kind of stepping stones to become a certified financial planner. Because the number of, I think I'm saying that the number of certified financial planners has gone down in recent years. Yes. Why, what's your assessment of why that is? At the point of the merger, there was about a thousand certified financial planners. There's um, just about 915 at the moment, so it's gone down a little bit. There was always some natural wastage, and the numbers always used to hold at the Institute of Financial Planning. They always held around the thousand mark anyway, uh, fluctuating slightly, but never really significantly above that in the past. Since the merger, the CISI, 
RSI has been trying to restructure the certified financial planner and to iron out some of the issues that were in the process when it came over. And I think because that has taken longer than we expected, some people have been unhappy about the time that it's taken the CISI to do that. And some people have got the certified financial planner license and then thought, actually, I can still apply that knowledge for my real clients, you know, on a day to day basis. And so some people have decided not to keep the designation, even though they've, you know, they've gained that knowledge and the skills required. Mm -hmm. So do you see yourself in the position of having to sort of relaunch? Yes, absolutely. So what we're seeing in the marketplace over the last 18 months, there is a distinct move by a number of wealth management firms, some banks, as well as some financial advisors, to keep that long term relationship with their clients. You know, we've seen in the past couple of years, the FCA put more focus on underlying charges, wealth management, investment charges. And so I think there is a drive from clients to question how much they're paying for the overall advice, whether it's financial planning advice or investment advice or anything else for that matter. And so because of that, that long term relationship with a client is ever more important just offering, for example, an investment service isn't necessarily mean that you're putting yourself with your clients at the centre of that advice process. Mm -hmm. So there are a number of wealth management firms and financial advisor firms that are expanding. The wealth management firms are expanding to take on financial planning and to offer financial planning as an additional service. The financial advice firms are developing from offering product style services more to the holistic financial planning as well. And so I think there are two distinct markets. And I expect certainly from the wealth management side that if you look at other countries, that's where the biggest growth is. And actually, they can reach huge numbers of clients. I think that'll be one of the big pluses. And are you planning on um, promoting the certified status to investors, clients as well? Yes, absolutely. So every year we have Financial Planning Week and the CISI has been doing it since the merger and also the Institute of Financial Planning did it for many years prior to the merger and we've continued that and we grow it every year. Um, it was a huge success last year including uh, a podcast with the FT amongst other lots of different activities and it's really about consumer engagement to the general public to be able to uh, find a financial planner and really understand how financial planning can help them. And sometimes, you know, there, there are quite a lot of members of the public out there who have significant assets, but they might not necessarily be liquid assets. So they might not be able to afford to pay for advice or you know, full financial planning advice on a regular basis. And this is an ideal opportunity for members of the public to be able to seek advice from a fully qualified certified financial planner. And do you plan to sort of sell it, if that's the right word, to advisors? themselves obviously they have to to encourage them to to look at certified yes so we know that as time goes by if you look at what's happening in other countries other regulators are setting the bar forever higher and the fca is no different obviously we have a minimum level which is level four at the moment but as clients are you know with sub different sets of families, you know, multiple families and divorces, different generations all coming together. You know, our financial situation is becoming more and more complex. And when, you know, when I talk to financial planners and para planners, they say to me that actually being level four isn't enough anymore because some of the situations that they're giving advice on and building financial plans for clients are very complex. So naturally, the profession is moving gradually towards more and more people becoming level six. Mm -hmm. So I think it's 
it is a big benefit. So we will be offering it to those people who want to demonstrate that application of their existing technical knowledge. And we've spoken a bit about growing the top end of the the financial planning profession. Going back to the, the roots, how do you feel that your role, what do you feel that your role is in terms of growing the profession as a whole? My role at the CISI is to support the firms who want to offer financial planning advice and you know we have a big advice gap in the UK I mean that's very well documented so we as a professional body have to play our part to try and close that gap part of it is consumer education financial planning week world financial planning day helps with that but the other part is for a professional body like the CISI to be able to demonstrate that they're they're helping educate and getting that financial planning message out there I think that moving forward the CISI can do lots of things to help support the profession different people coming from different walks of life different sides of the profession including you know investment management financial advice to be able to demonstrate that they can apply those skills and have that robust financial planning process in place in their businesses then those businesses hopefully will become more successful and they'll be able to expand with business efficiencies and fintech that's moving into the marketplace now they should be able to get some extra business efficiency that drives down the price cost of advice and then hopefully that will mean that they can free their time to give advice to more and more people and how do you support firms in training the next generation we have lots of initiatives in the on the financial planning side we have a number of different forums so we have the power planner forum as well as the financial planning forum and they represent the views of those different cohorts in the financial planning community but For the younger generation, we also have our Young Professionals Network, which is proving extremely successful. We also have support for schools and universities across the country in all sorts of areas. And we've got education hubs in Manchester and Liverpool. We help employ a teacher up there as well to be able to support financial education in schools. And what do you see as being the main source of the, of the next generation? There's lots of talk about apprenticeships. Traditionally, a lot of advisors have been people embarking on a second career. There's talk of people going straight from school, straight from university. Yes. What do you think is the sort of the main source of future financial advisors or all of the above? So I, I think it's quite interesting how things have changed over the years. Certainly many financial planners that I come across, like myself actually, kind of fell into it. Mm. And we ended up doing a financial related job and then kind of just stumbled across it. Mm. Traditionally, we had lots of training and support from insurance companies and then branched out to give advice, you know, in our own right. And that picture has changed with the consolidation of insurance companies. So now I'm seeing a picture of younger people coming into the profession choosing financial planning. A lot of us in the past were selling the products Mm. first whilst giving the advice, but the emphasis was on the product. And that has changed into actually the product is the last thing that you would talk to the client about, Mm. that it's about stepping back, looking at all of their objectives, looking holistically about the entire client situation. And I think that there is a cohort of younger people coming into the profession who want to do the 
right thing and you want to do financial planning. And that's quite a significant change, even in the last 10 years or so. One of the recent developments in, in the financial advice profession has been companies like Schroders and Lloyds teaming up to take on the financial advice market. You've got companies like Quilter who are who are growing through acquisition. Do you see those two sort of developments as being positive for growing the advice um, uh, profession? Some people might get a little bit scared of a company like Lloyd's returning to returning yes. to the advice market. Yes, and it's understandable there are a number of large companies who are coming back to the advice market. The way that, that I've approached it is that they need the support of a professional body and for, for as far as I'm concerned, they need to be able to have access to the Certified Financial Planner qualification because it's that understanding of application of knowledge in the round that is the important bit. We all have an option, don't we, whether to engage with those companies that are coming to the marketplace or to step away and not engage at all. What we're here for is to get better quality outcomes for clients at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if these companies are coming to the market anyway, we'll give financial advice and financial planning advice, whether anybody decides otherwise or not, then it is important for professional bodies to be able to support those organisations to come to the marketplace with a robust, good financial planning service so that they can give better quality advice to the mass market. Mm. And traditionally, financial planning and financial planning firms have been smaller firms who have dealt with high net worth clients or you know relatively wealthy clients. And that has been part of the issue that has opened up this advice gap. So having larger companies who can scale up and who have those economies of scale to be able to offer financial planning advice as we know it, that they can make a difference to that advice gap. And, you know, I've come across clients, you know, I had clients in the past when I worked at an accountancy firm. Some of those clients were very asset heavy, but didn't have much in the way of income. And they were the most desperate in need of proper holistic financial planning advice. But quite often they didn't get it because they couldn't afford to pay a monthly fee. These larger companies come into the market if they have you know, good, robust processes in place, effective training in place and monitoring, which obviously will be in conjunction with the regulator, then they can help with getting a real financial planning advice out to the mass market. I mean, you know, we can always take the opportunity to, you know, individually for us to sit on the sidelines and have a pop at other people. But at the end of the day, I think the role of a professional body is to help improve client outcomes so that the man in the street can receive better quality advice. Mm. And therefore, engaging these larger companies is not going to hinder that, is it, at the end of the day? All it can do is help. And I think that, you know, if they're doing it anyway, then they should have the support to to do it right. Do you anticipate that uh, that trend is going to continue? It certainly looks like it's going to. Again, it's about that longevity of the relationship with the client and bringing in other services, legal services, you know, accountancy services, but all the time, you know, walking along the financial planner, walks along the client's life journey with them. Uh, and really, that's what, what it's all about. And do you, I mean, could you envisage that um, you could be, a, for example, a certified financial planner and work for a bank? Are those two things, you don't, those, do you think are those two things mutually exclusive? Or no, no, not at all. And... What's interesting is if you look what's happen, happening across the world, in the States, for example, there are about 85,000 certified financial planners. 
and they work for various organizations wealth management firms banks all sorts of places they you know they can put the process in place for them to give proper holistic financial planning advice but it's something that in the UK hasn't work terribly well you know each regulators that we're in a slightly different environment to to they are in the states but if you look at australia and other countries there you know the very large successful financial planning businesses in australia that deal with tens of thousands of clients and give them a proper holistic financial planning service okay that's interesting thanks so much for having jackie and thanks for your time my um, pleasure and thanks so much for tuning in and tune in again soon for the next edition thank you Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.